So a question we get a lot is, all right, so we have what appears to be this intractable divide with no end in sight. And we basically say, yeah, that, that's about right. And then, of course, the question is, all right, well, what can we do about it? And then we each start getting a coughing fit so we can avoid answering the question. That was political science professor Jonathan Weiler, who tactfully tries to avoid answering a big question in American politics. What makes us so divided? And why do politics feel so polarizing? Jonathan and Global Studies Associate Professor Mark Hetherington co-authored the book Prius or Pickup based on their research on this very topic. Welcome to Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Our story goes back actually almost two decades at this point. We met when we were new assistant professors at Bowdoin College in Maine. And um, I taught American politics. Uh, I started, what, in 1998? And you came in 2000, right? No, I came in 99. Oh, 99. Yeah. And um, we found that we had a lot in common, not um, necessarily just about um, political science, um, but also about um, sports and bowling and you know a number of things along those lines. But this conversation that we've been having about politics really has literally been going on for nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. While Mark and Jonathan were getting to know each other, even before they both started teaching here at Carolina, a memorable moment in American politics was unfolding. It was the Bush-Gore election of 2000 during the ballot recount in Florida. It's funny to think back to 2000 and this notion of how acrimonious politics was then because it just seems so regular for politics to seem so acrimonious. That's right. But in 2000, you know, that started a real interesting break from how things usually are. For every successive hour from this point on, CNN will be your network to find out what is the latest on that presidential race That's right. in the United States. And folks, in the year 2004, please, could you make up your minds a little more conclusively? <laughs> because I think we can't take another election like no, this one. No, no. We started having conversations about just the how intense the acrimony was between the two sides. And that conversation, I guess, just kind of kept up. Um, and then it was maybe two or three years later, and we started trying to think about how we could more concretely analyze this divide. As Jonathan and Mark began to investigate further, they tried to determine what was at the core of public opinion. And at some point, we stumbled upon these four parenting questions that are at the heart of the current book that have been out there for a long time. To the Scholars have used to measure the concept of psychological authoritarianism. And we started to talk about how those parenting questions could help us think about why Democrats and Republicans had become so divided by the mid-2000s. Those four parenting questions don't really tell you anything about how people feel about taxes, um, but they tell you a lot about how people feel about race, gay rights, gender, family structure, immigration. And so when those issues came to dominate the political agenda, those four parenting questions became the key for unlocking what divided us as Democrats and Republicans. These four questions are pretty simple. 
parents are asked to choose from one quality from a pair they deem most important. Parents choose between qualities such as independence or respect for their elders and curiosity or good manners. You know, one of the things that still surprises me is actually how well these four parenting questions explain what they explain. Mm-hmm. I mean, on some level, it just it remains bizarre to me mm-hmm. uh, that whether people like kids who are curious versus kids who have good manners uh, unlocks almost the entirety <laughs> of their view of the of the political world. Yeah, and you know, because our opinions about those things are real, like you know, we really care about you know, the orientation that parents have to their children, you know, whether it's a hierarchical um, relationship between parent and child or whether it's a more equal um, one. You know, those are things that we really care about. And they organize not just our ideas about politics, they organize our ideas about everything. Many Americans would agree that a wider spread of news sources, technology, and social media have collectively influenced the way many of us look at and understand politics. But as Jonathan explained, the divide is also thanks to the increased ease of sharing our opinion and sharing it loudly. And so that's part of it. Um, And I think, you know, there have been some changes there. But I think one of the things that has also happened is that there was no way to have those disagreements other than verbally, you know, with people back in the day. Now you can do it online and anonymously and more angrily. And, you know, in that sense, I think what digital media, you know, certainly allows us to do is to vent our spleen, you know, in a way that people simply didn't feel comfortable doing, you know, Otherwise, now that didn't create the problem. That didn't create the polarization that we have, but it certainly exacerbates it in a way that I think is probably (laughs) makes it difficult to recover from. And as we begin to talk more publicly about our opinions on politics, especially the issues that resonate deepest with our values, Mark and Jonathan realized that part of the political divide is the stereotypical assumptions we make about each other. And that's what inspired the name of their book, Prius or Pickup. It came from a discussion uh, in our book about consumer preferences, including differences and in preferences about cars. And, and actually, it's one of our favorite quotes in the book is from a conservative blogger named Dan Perra, who years ago just wrote this blog post that was about, quote unquote, liberal cars. And he ranked cars by how closely he associated them with liberals. And when he got to the Prius, he said, Prius, of course, is number one on the list. It's the car of liberals everywhere. People who drive a Prius are saying to the rest of us that you uh, hate the environment and support torture, and we care about everything more than you do. (laughs) And so it did seem to capture very well you know, this argument we're making about these automatic associations mm-hmm. between different parts of our lives, the political and the non-political. Yeah. So a question we get a lot is, all right, so we have what appears to be this intractable divide with no end in sight. 
And we basically say, yeah, that, that's about right. And then, of course, the question <laughs> is, all right, well, what can we do about it? And then we each start getting a coughing fit so we can avoid answering the question. But it's interesting. One of the things that Jonathan and I have spent a lot of time talking about lately is whether that was really the best title for the book. But you know, our book is actually, I mean, it's lighthearted. You know, a couple of the chapters, you know, if I do say so myself, are hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's also a very serious book about the, you know, threats that democracy in the United States and abroad face. While Jonathan and Mark might try to avoid answering definitively whether or not we can become a less polarized nation, they intend Prius or Pickup to be part of the solution. I think I think we both feel like we are really stuck in this dynamic uh, that we've been we've been talking about. When I think about what I would like people to get out of this, and this is very much aspirational, and I don't claim to be doing this myself, is greater self-awareness can lead to greater empathy. That if we understand better. Uh, our own way of thinking about the world, and we and we challenge our own way. I don't mean challenge, overturn it, but think more deeply about it. Could that allow us to at least have a greater understanding of how people who see the world differently could come to see the world the way they do? And I always make a distinction between regular people like us and political leaders. Um, but I don't think that's who we're writing for. I think we're writing for folks who are just trying to, who are going about their day. They don't spend mo- all of their day thinking about politics. They're doing their jobs. They're taking care of their families. They're trying to relax a little bit in the evening. And hopefully we're helping them make a little better sense of what they're seeing and experiencing around them. Yeah, I think the other thing that I would add, and especially when I teach my classes on political parties, intro to American politics, one of the things I try to drive home is that polarization in the politics we have today is not inevitable. I mean, it's just simply not. And the reason that we know it's not is that the era just before this one wasn't polarized at all. In fact, the big complaint was that the parties were like Tweedledum and Tweedledee, that they were too close together. And what is different about that politics versus this politics? And the difference is how we're divided up. You know, is it, you know, in that in that day and age, it was about social class. Um, You know, what government would, you know, provide to uh, those towards the bottom of the ladder, you know, at the expense of those, you know, further up. Um, That produces a politics that um, inevitably seems to lead to more compromise. When we're divided on things like the things that we're divided on these days, um, race and ethnicity and gender and sexual orientation and things along those lines, it's going to produce, you know, if the parties are um, sorted out by that, it's going to produce more rancor. We've only scratched the surface on all that Mark and Jonathan uncover and detail in Prius or Pickup. And even though their research took place in 2009, it continues to have implications in America's current political climate and beyond. We're going global, baby. Um, <laughs> so it's really interesting. So we have these four parenting questions that we've been using for, you know, because they were used. Like one of the reasons that we alighted on these four parenting questions is because they've been asked in surveys since the 1990s. And we needed to make a longitudinal argument that is an overtime argument that said this set of values didn't used to be important but they are now. So we needed something that had been used in surveys back then. 
But what we've come to believe is that we've only captured the corner of what we're really trying to get at here. It turns out that those attitudes, you know, tend to run against belief in certain important democratic principles like, you know, free speech and um, and uh, freedom of religion and, um, you know, sort of a, a more open approach to race and ethnicity and gender and things along those lines. So now, Mark and Jonathan are working to determine whether intrinsic attitudes align with political ones, no matter which country you live in. So what we're working on is putting together a, a, a more fully developed set of survey questions that we've piloted now in the United States um, that ask questions, you know, that are like, you know, who's your ideal neighbor? You know, is it somebody um, who is like you or somebody who's interestingly different? You know, do you favor people who are, say, innovative, or do you tend to favor people who are practical? And it turns out that these questions work in the same but interestingly different ways than these parenting measures do and are providing us, you know, even more insight on, you know, people's politics. Um, and, you know, we have a working group um, uh, who's doing, you know, is using these questions in a survey in Brazil coming up. And we're sitting down with a group of scholars here at UNC who have the, oppor- have the ability to put these um, items on surveys in, um, in Europe as well. So, you know, we're taking on, you know, this concept in different ways and taking on, you know, bigger questions about, you know, how safe democracy is in this particular day and age. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. If you're interested in learning more about Mark and Jonathan or their book, visit college.unc.edu. Plus, later this season, we'll hear from Mark and Jonathan about our own political identities and how we shape our perceptions of others based on their material possessions or purchasing habits. If you don't want to miss it, subscribe to Well Said wherever you get podcasts or on SoundCloud. Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Send us a tweet at UNC or shoot us an email at wellsaid at unc.edu. You can find Well Said wherever you get podcasts. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. See you next week.